the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Andrew had no idea when he went to get his brother Peter that Peter would become Peter, that Peter would become the leader of the church and be mightily used by God. He had no idea. You know, he just wanted to share Jesus with his brother. You never know. You never know how God will use somebody that you might bring to Jesus. You know, right now back in the children's ministry, we've got a hundred kids back there. And you don't know. You know, the next Billy Graham could be sitting back there in one of those classrooms. Whenever we share the gospel with others or simply give away a Bible, we probably don't think too much about what we're setting in motion. It's all too often that we're concerned about our own accomplishments that we overlook the potential of others. As Pastor Dan will teach you in his message today, you very well could be investing in the next Bill Graham. In his study, you'll learn the importance of diligently seeking to further God's kingdom rather than your own successes or accomplishments. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 6 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. with me over to chapter 6 of John's Gospel. Chapter 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. He, he, healed, he healed people. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples now, the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, we're going to talk about Philip in a few minutes. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that even one of them may have a little and one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, right, <laughs> said to him, Well, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. Then he says, But what are they among so many? So Jesus at this point, he's, there's thousands of people. This is when he feeds, it says 5,000 men plus women and children. So there's maybe 10,000, 20,000 people there, this huge crowd. And he, he says, what are, what are we gonna, where are we going to buy bread to feed all these people? And it's Andrew who brings this little boy to Jesus. And he says, well, there's a boy here. He's got five barley loaves 
And, you know, he's got five biscuits and two small fish. But as soon as he says it, Andrew realizes how, how dumb it is to even make that suggestion. There's so many people here. I don't even know why, why I brought this kid to you, but certainly not going to be enough. But you see here, he's bringing someone to Jesus. He's bringing this little boy to Jesus. Uh, turn over to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, this is, this is in Jerusalem. This is during uh, the Feast of Passover. Jesus is in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Passover. And as they're there, it says in verse 20, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Now, when it says Greeks here, it means Gentiles, and, it's, and they've come to Jerusalem to worship, to celebrate the Feast of Passover, a Jewish feast. But they're Gentiles, they're non-Jews. And these are people that are sometimes referred to as God-fearers, or sometimes in your Bible they're called devout Greeks. Uh, these are, these are non-Jews, they're Gentiles, who were attracted to Judaism. Maybe they were attracted by the, the monotheism of Judaism, the fact that the Jews worshipped one God, in contrast to their culture that had multiple gods. Or maybe they were attracted to the morality, the moral teaching of Judaism, because they lived in a very immoral culture. And so, you know, for some reason, they're attracted to Judaism, uh, but they're not fully converted to Judaism. And so they're, they're attracted to it. And they're, they're in Jerusalem for this feast of Passover, even though they're not Jews. Uh, they're in the temple in Jerusalem. They had the court of the Gentiles, where Gentiles could come to the temple and worship the God of the Jews. You know, Jesus said that, you know, the, the, the temple he describes as a house of prayer for all nations. It's a place where all people could come to pray to the God of the Jews. And so these, these Greeks come to worship at the feast. And in verse 21, they came to Philip. Again, we're going to talk about Philip next, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee. And they asked him saying, sir, we wish to see Jesus. So they come to Philip and they ask Philip, hey, we'd like to, we'd like to meet Jesus. And Philip doesn't know what to do uh, because Jesus is, is the Jewish Messiah, right? He came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Uh, they're in Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. It's a Jewish feast. And here are these Gentiles, these non-Jews that want to see Jesus. And Philip, he doesn't know, you know, can we see Jesus? And Philip's saying, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Gentiles can come to Jesus, is what Philip's thinking. So what Philip does in verse 22 is Philip went and told Andrew. So he goes and finds Andrew and says, hey, there's these Gentiles that they want to see Jesus. And I really wasn't sure what to tell them. And Andrew, he has no hesitation. It says, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Andrew brings these, these Greeks to Jesus. He's got no reservations about bringing them to Jesus. And so every time we see Andrew in the Gospel of John, he's bringing people to Jesus. That, that's what he was all about. He was all about bringing people to Jesus. We, we don't see him preaching or healing or anything like that, but he's bringing people to Jesus. And listen, listen, give me your attention. You and I can be Andrews. We can be Andrews. Maybe you can never imagine yourself preaching in front of a crowd of thousands of people. But you can be an Andrew. You can tell people about Jesus. You can bring people to Jesus. 
this is a great time to invite someone to church because we just started the Gospel of John. And this is a great time to say, hey, our church just started this study on the life of Jesus, Gospel of John. You want, you want to come? You want to join me and come hear about Jesus? And would you could just, just bring them to Jesus or this uh, Veterans Day outreach that we're going to do where you're going to give a Bible to a veteran that you know, somebody that has served in the military in the past or is currently serving. You can do that. It's not too hard just to give somebody a Bible. And we're told that Andrew brought his brother, Simon Peter, to Jesus. And Simon Peter, of course, became, you know, Peter. He became the great leader of the early church. But Andrew's the one who brought him. Peter's the one who stood up on Pentecost and preached to thousands and 3,000 people converted to Christ. But Andrew's the one who brought Peter to Jesus. Now, this, this shows us that you never know. You never know how a person that you bring to Jesus will impact the world for the kingdom of God. Andrew had no idea when he went to get his brother, Peter, that Peter would become Peter, that Peter would become the leader of the church and be mightily used by God. He had no idea. You know, he just wanted to share Jesus with his brother. You never know. You never know how God will use somebody that you might bring to Jesus. You know, right now, back in the children's ministry, we've, we've got 100 kids back there. And you don't know. You know, the next Billy Graham could be sitting back there in one of those classrooms. And this country needs another Billy Graham. There could be missionaries sitting back there or pastors. There could be a future president sitting back there or a business leader or an inventor sitting back there. And you serving in the children's ministry, you have the opportunity to bring them to Jesus. And you don't know how the Lord's going to use their life for his glory. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. Now look at verse 42 again. So Andrew brings his brother, Peter, to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at Peter, he said to him, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone, a rock. Jesus knows the person he will make Peter into. From the moment he called him, he knew the person he would make Peter into. He knows the person he wants to make you into. He knows the person he is making you into. And Jesus says, right now, you are Simon Barjona, but you will be called the rock. <laughs> now, if you know Peter, 
you've read the Gospels, you know that Peter was no rock at this point. In fact, Peter was the opposite of a rock at this point. Peter was quicksand at this point. Peter was a guy who was impulsive, he was unstable, he was unreliable, and everyone knew that about Peter. We know that about Peter. And, we, you know, Peter lived 2,000 years ago, and we know that about Peter. You know they knew that about Peter. And yet Jesus, once he's brought to Jesus, Jesus will take Peter and take his life, and Jesus will make Peter the rock. Jesus can make us strong. Listen, Jesus can make us strong at the very point of our most apparent weakness, where we are the weakest, and everybody knows we are the weakest. Jesus can take that and make it our strongest trait as a person. That's what he does with Peter. This guy is known for being quicksand, unreliable, and yet he's going to make him the rock. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, the Lord says, My power works best in weakness. My power works best in weakness. He likes to take our greatest weakness, our greatest flaw, and make it the place of strength in our lives. And why does he do that? So that he gets the glory. So that he gets the glory. So that everyone that knows us says, that's the Lord. That's the Lord that he is that way. And so that we know ourselves, it's the Lord, it's not me. You know, Peter knew that he was no rock. And so when God made him a rock, he knew it was God and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't him. It's a testimony. It's a witness uh, to other people. You know, I my, myself personally, uh, I used to suffer from very, very severe anxiety. Uh, I could not speak in front of three people uh, without having a panic attack and thinking I was going to drop dead and all of that stuff. You know, I had terrible, terrible, terrible anxiety. Uh, and the first time... Uh, the first time that I ever preached uh, at, our, at our church in Florida, one of my sisters came, who was not a believer. And she told me she came because she just wanted to see what would happen to me when I stood up in front of a crowd of people. She just wanted to witness it because she thought it was, you know, she should get $10,000 from America's Funniest Videos or something. But, but what the Lord does is sometimes it will take the place where we are the weakest and make that a place of strength in our life for his glory, just like he does here with Peter. And in verse 43, now we have Philip. We meet Philip here, the call of Philip. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. So do I. Don't you want to go to the Galilee? And he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Now, the the other disciples that are mentioned in this passage were brought to Jesus by someone else, a family member, a friend. But Philip is different. Jesus found Philip. Without using a friend or a family member, Jesus just sought out Philip, found him, and called him to be his disciple. And sometimes the Lord will use other people uh, to lead a person to him. Uh, And then other times the Lord will just kind of sovereignly call that person to be his disciple. And some of you here, I know, uh, were led to Christ by someone else, brought to Christ through someone else. Uh, And others of you, just the Lord sovereignly called you 
Uh, Maybe you were sitting in your living room and you just felt a conviction about the way you were living your life, or maybe you felt compelled to read the Bible or felt compelled to go to church, and, and the Lord just began to work in your life sovereignly. Jesus sought out Philip and told Philip, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Bethsaida uh, was a city on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this, this past week, I posted a video on our Facebook page about the excavations that are currently taking place at the ancient city of Bethsaida. They just started excavating it about two years ago. And I posted a video showing some of the archaeological Uh, digs that are taking place at the ancient city of Bethsaida. Uh, But Bethsaida, it means the house of fish or the house of fishing, which is a fitting name for the town of Philip, Andrew, and Peter because they were fishermen on the Galilee. And and the next time we see Philip is back in that passage in John chapter 6. If you want to turn back over there, John chapter 6. Again, this is when Jesus is going to feed the multitudes And again, he says in verse 5, he lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming. And he said to Philip specifically. Now, it's, it's believed that this feeding of the multitudes takes place in the area near Bethsaida where Philip grew up. Maybe that's why he singled out Philip. He says to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he said this to test Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. Look at verse 7. Philip answered him. 200 denarii. Now, a denarii was a day's wage for a common laborer. So 200 denarii, that's like a year's, year's income for a worker, a laborer. 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for one of them that every one of them may have a little bit. So Jesus asked Philip, hey, where can we buy bread for all these people so we can have lunch? And what does Philip do? Philip gets out his calculator And he starts doing all the calculations. And Philip says, it's impossible. It's never going to work. Here, I I can show you. I've done the calculations. I can show you why it's never going to work. Philip's that guy. Philip's the guy who is always the one that tells you why it's never going to work. Why it's impossible. We shouldn't even try. That it's just going to fail. And here, I can tell you all the reasons why. That... This is a waste of our time because it's never going to work. And, and that's basically what he says here. He says, if we had 200 denarii, which we don't have, and if there was a bakery nearby, which there isn't, we still couldn't buy enough food for all these people. There's no reason to even try. It's just impossible. So he's, he's the guy that tells you why you can't do something and why it's impossible to do. That's where we see him in chapter 6. We see him again, chapter 12, that other passage that we looked at with Andrew. If you turn over to chapter 12, again, it's interesting with Andrew and Philip, we, the only times we see them mentioned in the gospel, we, they're mentioned together. Andrew's always the guy who's bringing people to Jesus, and Philip's always the guy who doesn't know what to do, or always is the guy that's telling you why it's not going to work. <laughs> Philip needs Andrew in his life, for sure. So remember here in chapter 12, this is when the Gentiles come. They come initially to Philip. In verse 21, they come to Philip to ask to see Jesus, and Philip doesn't know what to do. So he went and he found Andrew. And Andrew's the one who said, well, let's bring him to Jesus. 
You know, Andrew's that guy, too. So you got Philip, who's the guy who's always telling you, is always negative. It's never going to work. It's impossible. It's a waste of time. Andrew's the guy who says, well, let's just bring him to Jesus and see what happens. Don't you want to be more like Andrew than Philip, right? The guy that always says, hey, let's just go to Jesus. Let's see what Jesus will do with it. Now, the next time we see Philip is over in chapter 14. Chapter 14. Now, here in chapter 14, uh, this is... This is in the upper room when the disciples have the Last Supper. Uh, So this is the night that Jesus is arrested. This is the night before his crucifixion. Uh, This is the last time that Jesus and his disciples will be together before the cross. Uh, The disciples have been with Jesus for three years at this point. They've heard every teaching, every sermon. They've seen every miracle. They're, you know, they're about to graduate at this point. They're about to become apostles, right? The training's over. It's graduation day. And look at, uh, look at verse, this is when Jesus says in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him, and you have seen him. And this is, you know, one more time he's telling his disciples that he, he and the Father are one and the same. And Philip, Philip speaks up and says to him in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Lord, just show us the Father, and that'll be good enough. He's been showing him the Father for the last three years. And so look at Jesus in verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? I mean, can you just hear the the tone of Jesus? I've, I've been with you for three years. I've been showing you the Father for three years. How can you ask me, show me the Father, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? You... You idiot. You know, that's what that, well, when you read the Greek, it's kind of in the Greek that he's saying, you're an idiot. Not really. But that's kind of the tone here. How can you ask me this? So, so that's Philip. One thing we can say about Philip is that he's consistent. He's consistently clueless. He, never, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't understand what's going on or... He's missing the point. You know, Philip, Philip was no all-star. You know, I, I, I think sometimes we, we think that, you know, uh, the apostles were all like these super Christians and spiritual giants, but Philip wasn't. Philip wasn't. And in fact, as you read through the Gospels, one thing that stands out about the apostles is they were all pretty ordinary, flawed people, just like us. I hope you find comfort in Philip. I hope you find comfort in someone who doesn't always know what to do, who's missing the point, who doesn't understand what's going on, doesn't understand what the Lord is saying. I hope you can relate to someone like that. And I hope it's an encouragement for you to see that God doesn't always need these great men and women to use them to do his work. He can use ordinary people that are flawed to do his work. Praise the Lord for that. He asked me how I know, and I said,
If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please. Pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray, too, for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you, that they would be protected from the enemy and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. Though our time with you is at an end for today, We'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John, or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today. And join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth. Rings true.